have got an extra special show this week because our guest is one of our favorites, Chris Clark, and he's going to talk to us about the upcoming St. Louis International Film Festival, which starts on Thursday and will run through November 21st, and it is an exciting lineup. We'll talk to Chris Clark all about Sliff coming up next. Around minute 29, we'll talk the French Dispatch. Around minute 37, Last Night in Soho. Around minute 45, My Hero Academia. Around minute 49, Lynn loves her HBO. Around minute 52, Horror Fest at the Skyview. And around minute 54, Anniversaries in Our Lives. Welcome, Chris. Hi, good to be here. But I'm going to correct you. It's the 30th annual Mega Gargantuan Mammoth St. Louis International Film Festival this year. Did you see the post article this morning said uh, 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 pent up demand uh, will benefit the festival? That almost sounded a little little saucy there. Yeah. But yeah, it's true. Um, we have been blessed like never before, showered with two dozen plus high profile studio end of the year fair. And we we're just packed to the gills. We had to add that third weekend. We were going to continue virtually for another week after we we're done the theater, but we had to add a whole nother weekend to just make room for all the stuff that was given to us end to end. Um, our dream has always been to have a big, splashy Hollywood end of the year studio film in the big theater every night of the week. Well, we should be careful what we wish for, as <laughs> the saying goes. We have accomplished that and then dribbled down into, you know, afternoon shows. So every day of the week, there's something big and spectacular happening more than once uh, somewhere in the Tivoli Theater and, and other locations uh, near you. Uh, so well, it's very exciting. Well, I'm very excited because you have what critics are hailing as the movie of the year, Belfast. Yes. Yes. Uh, Belfast, uh, Memoria, Petite Maman, uh, Achiara, uh, you know, endless, endless big stuff. Uh, Tony Winner, The Humans and uh, and King Richard. King Richard. Yeah, well, that got shoved in, you know, well after the fact when we were, no, we're absolutely done. So we made room. Hey, uh, would you like would you also? like the uh, Serena and Venus Williams father picture? Okay, yep. I think starring Will Smith. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. We'll, yes. we'll just squeeze that in somewhere. I I pretended I had modest rage when we were not granted the tragedy of Macbeth. Um, also, but they're doing very very limited. They did like you know Telluride, Toronto, Venice, or 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 just one or two of those, maybe just one, and that's it. So I, I get it, yeah. but that's pretty and much the only what? thing. The only thing we asked for, we didn't get. And, you know, stuff kept, still keep, you know, shoved our way. Uh, well, so you got American uh, underdog. And yeah, that was a last minute thing. Um, and that's not really high profile in people's radars. Well, unless you read the post article today, but American underdog colon the Kurt Warner story uh, is a biopic about football star and St. Louis, beloved St. Louis hero, Kurt Warner. And Zachary um, Levi looks just like 1999 Kurt Warner. He does very much. Um, and I never saw it before. But then when you see the two of them standing side by side, you go, oh, that's a younger him. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Dennis Quaid is a dick for meal. Um, and um, Baltal's own Sookie Stackhouse, Anna Paquin, <laughs> uh, as Brenda Warner. And she kind of, you know, melts her way back and forth into various roles. Uh, we'll see. But, you know, what a great get. And yeah. Kurt and Brenda are coming. Um, you know, it's a big deal um, for us. Um, I You're think I've told it you a whole month. They're opening that film on Christmas Day, which is usually reserved for award elite. And so therefore you guys having it a month early is a big deal. We we caused a great kerfuffle in the um, Lionsgate, I believe it is uh, studio world. Um <clears throat> Because St. Louis is what it is, I guess we're, we're you know we know what we are we're a C market uh, among the the you know, it doesn't mean it's bad it just number means 22. we're not we're yeah number yeah so we're not New York L A we're not the top ten we're not top twenty so you know we're we're at the upper edge of our category but we know what we are so they had not considered this a worthy location until the people of Mr. Kurt Warner took a look at the list and said hey why isn't St. Louis is on that list put St. Louis on that list. And they did. It took another week, which was just, that's why my hair is short because Cliff and I were pulling it out day by day. But it, 
when they finally got drawn to, they said, okay. Uh, they were kind of looking into seeing if any talent was available because this is far sooner than they had planned on doing anything. So by the good graces and firepower of Mr. Kurt Warner's trigger arm, um, <clears throat> here we are. Um, so we're very grateful and very happy to do it. Uh, it'll be a great night uh, of, of cinema and sports and festivalness and being back in the Tivoli Theater, uh, which we have just spent a great gob of time and money uh, having a company out of Boston, retool, recalibrate, look over every wire and square inch of the guts and outside of every projector and server and electronic part and permissions and validations. <laughs> I could go on and on and on, uh, but it took four days to do it. And everything looks and sounds pristine better than ever before in that building. Well, it's and because I'm, I'm not kidding. When was the last time a film was shown there? Well, it's funny that we're doing Petite, Petite Maman, uh, which is the follow-up, uh, Ciara, I can't remember her last name, uh, the follow-up to uh, film to, it's not a sequel, follow-up film from the director of Portrait of a Lady on Fire, or Woman on Fire, whichever it is. Um, that poster is still in the window from the now 20 <laughs> months ago, 18 to 20 months ago was the last time, March of 2020? Right. It was the last time that they had done anything there so uh there were a couple posters of films that were in the festival that they brought on you know in january february um ancient ancient articles are still in the poster case we just found the poster case key the other day so we're getting ready to swap them out for new stuff well that's uh, awesome well the uh, uh it speaks to kurt warner's character that he yes. was like demanding st louis which is kind of if you think about lionsgate like hello he played for the st louis <clears throat> yeah. rams he was mvp with the st louis rams yeah. his his rags to riches story <laughs> is st louis was the catalyst so it just really speaks it, i'm just mystified yeah, but i also think word got out that we spent all this time and attention uh, on the projectors and the projection system. So every single studio has reached out at a certain point for ongoing for upcoming press screenings and stuff too. Um, like we needed more balls in the air. We have a, a whole bunch of press screenings scheduled there now yes. too. Uh, so it's, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, we're doing way more than four people should be able to handle. Uh, but you know, it's exciting. And this is, we get to this point every year, um, you know, back to the theater, we're still doing virtual. Uh, for a lot of stuff, but not everything, um, not these big things. Uh, but yeah, things like Belfast. We're going to have an um, intro um, by Kenneth Bronick himself. Um, he's not Ooh. coming. He's not coming. They pre-recorded can something, but we're going to, you know, broadcast that as well. But those are um, always interesting to sure, see because, sure. gonna, you know, no one but else having, is going to get that. But having, in essence, we're not the owners of the building and we have to you know, share space and ask permissions for dates and things. But in essence, we're the controllers of the, you know, we have a theater to play with after Are 30 years. Do church services? Oh, absolutely. Us? Yeah. As sun Sundays. And uh, that means we don't have to get there quite as early on Sundays, which I don't <laughs> mind. Um, but it, they're gonna it do... also means that the building's opened up and they've already cleaned it. Yeah, uh, they haven't cleaned it. Oh, upstairs isn't as clean as it could be. And they're, they're working on that. But um, yeah, but everything is there. The, the lobby looks nice. Uh, their offices in the building next door, and they're going to be a really good partner for us. Um, initially, it seemed maybe an odd fit, but they're good people, and they best. And uh, through Joe Edwards' intercession, they kept the original equipment, which at that point was at the end of its life. Um, like it was like a 15-year-old puppy or dog that it was <laughs> still filled with love, but not for much longer. Um, so they were all going to die in a couple of years anyway, and one of them is dead. Uh, we had to replace one of the servers. We had to borrow a server because uh, it's very expensive. We had to borrow a server for one of the projectors to make it work for the duration. Then we'll send it back um, in one of the small theaters. But everything else is fixed up and you know, we'll get to that as it goes. Um, it was going to be a long-term capital project to make everything right and fix it all to be perfectness. So part of the long-term plan, but in the meantime, uh, you know, things like Belfast and things like Achiara and uh, Memoria from a pitch upon where Satha cool. Can you, can you say that quickly? I can, <laughs> um, with Memoria. Um, I'm, you know, I'm a great lover of Thai film and this is actually in 
filmed in Colombia because uh, he had spent some time there and enjoyed the rhythms of the people and the, you know, everyone loves, who doesn't love Tilda Swinton. Um, so I'm very much right. looking forward to that. So something for everyone, international affair. Um, most of the, sh- there's a few pre-feature doc shorts that'll be screening and the, some of the showcase programs from this summer, some of the, you know, the prize winners from that, all the shorts will be online. Um, and Good. a lot of the features will be online. So we're just trying to hug the planet the best we can. Oh, so people should support Cinema St. Louis because people don't realize all the effort that you put into this to make this a great festival. And I do know that the filmmakers really enjoy coming to St. Louis. So we may be the 22nd market, but people appreciate your efforts. Yeah, we have a greatly stripped down presentation model this year no parties no special events you you know how much we love to throw a party we're not going to be at ron and joy's house no no um well they're moving they're moving oh we would have been there they're still you know still camped out Mm -hmm. in that you know former location um but we're not going to do anything public with people there's no concessions in the theater you know masks and proof of vaccination required for all attendees um there's a couple of pandemic yeah there's two, I'm not going to talk about it much further, but there are subjects of two good documentaries that may not attend because they um, chose their freedom over being vaccinated. And that mm. was their choice. And I respect that, but they must respect our choice to make it a rule for attendance. So, <clears throat> you know, we're still there um, and there might, you know, as the county fights with itself and the city fights with itself constantly there you know might be some issues i hope there's no airline drama like sometimes trying to barge their way in so we'll do the best we can but being camped out there and having the entire theater as ours because in the past we would have two of the theaters but not the third one so it'd always be an awkward interplay with the people (laughs) wandering around to the other they go you who are you and then we would look down on them too why aren't Mm -hmm. you buying a festival ticket well i know it's gonna be a lot of fun lynn is very excited about opening night because when she was with the Belleville News Democrat, she yes. broke a big story about the Catholic priests. And the first opening night film is Procession about Catholic priests. And I talked to the director this morning and he uh, helped establish the documentary a journalism program at the Murray Center at uh, Mizzou uh, seven years ago. He was a big fan of True False. So when this opportunity happened, he was like, yeah, I'm moving to Columbia because he was in New York City and he's from uh, North Carolina. So uh, very interesting. He saw a press conference of a Kansas City attorney saying they had recognized uh, 230 incidents of sexual abuse by priests in the diocese and he started his wheels turning and they got ahead of um, they got a hold of people and this movie is very powerful as somebody who talked to many victims over the years it captures everything that they feel and what they go through but this is a surprising angle using a dramatic therapy for healing and uh, the six subjects, five of the six subjects are going to be at the Film Fest Thursday night, November 4th, because it's opening night. And the director, Robert Green, will be there. And uh, one of the guys that can't come lives in New York City and he's having a family uh, medical emergency thing. So he can't. But uh, the St. Louis activist, David Clossy, nationally known from the snap the snap second, yeah sure yeah and he's going to be there and so are other people and actually david was interviewed for the film and used in the film and he knew a lot of the people but uh, but the director said they kept that out so even though it's kansas city based we still have some local connections and of course kansas city is missouri so we had this whole thing and um uh, the Belleville Diocese and the Archdiocese of St. Louis was in the spotlight in 1993. And actually, I was working at a small daily called the Centralia Sentinel. And uh, that was between News Democrat stuff. And uh, then um, the uh, Boston, as you know, the subject of the, the Oscar winning spotlight, that was 2002 
I think around there, 2003. And so 10 years apart. So uh, we were early in the thing, but it's still going on. This is not over in the Catholic church. And this movie is so good at uh, showing what, what has been done, what needs to be done, but it's a call to action, but it's also very hopeful in terms of the healing. So I encourage everybody, if they think it's going to be, well, sure, it's a, it's a heavy duty subject, but it's a worthy subject and this film matters. And, you know, on our 30th anniversary, we chose to show this film um, on our, on our opening night. Um, <clears throat> it's a bold choice. Um, I think we can all agree. It is not a typical opening night film. It's not a any, happy film for any film festival anywhere, but it was presented to us. This was the time frame is available. Um, it's from our great partner, Netflix, um, who gave us, you know, Roma. Um, they brought a tech out to, to readjust the theaters back then in, in I guess, 2018. Um, <clears throat> so you know, they asked first, they took the spot, and then the, the avalanche, the total avalanche of, of studio titles came back that we just lined them up from end to end. Well, I think I think this is brave. Yeah, and Robert, but, you know, but it's great. also Missouri connected. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is important to it. We love to, have, you know, it's not Grandma's Murder Club, <laughs> which <laughs> was an opening night film with the local connection. Right. So this is vastly different in tone, but it's Missouri connected because of the subjects, because of the actions. It sure happened here too. It's happened everywhere. You know, I have a, a bit of not a personal history, but I'm, you know, very aware of the history of, you know, these lawsuits and things locally. Um, <clears throat> Robert lives in Columbia. So that's another Missouri connection. Um, and Netflix asked us to. So why the heck not? And well, Netflix, so we'll, we'll, yeah. we're proud of it. We're proud of it, you know, if, because we have lots, lots of space to share. And this is an important message, important story and a great film. It's not it just is. because it's provocative and we're trying to wag a finger at anybody. Um, well, they, they, still need a finger, they still need a finger wagged. It is. Uh, I'm it trying is to a, trying to walk the, the rope in the middle there. You're being uh, a very good politician right now. Oh, I yeah. am. I am. But you know, yeah. But uh, but it's a well made film. It it earned its spot in addition to its power. Uh, it's an unusual it's, approach, but it yeah. works. It's sure. it's not. You're not sure. going to get spotlight. You're not going to get a news version of what we've already know about. This is very different, but it's also extremely moving. Yes. I think um, it's a yes. critics choice. The critics choice association hands out documentary awards every year. And the nominations were announced two weeks ago. And this is one of the 10 films competing for best documentary feature. So that's that's a good thing. And those awards are going to be announced November 14th. But Netflix bought this after Telluride. It premiered mm -hmm. at Telluride. So it was only uh, a, a month and a half ago. And then Netflix is going to show it later in November. But they're really, uh, really high on this film in terms of they think it's really quality in that. So I'm glad that you have a good relationship with them. Yes. And I just saw a notice. Um, I don't know if it came from Robert or, or where it came from. Maybe you guys got the same thing. There's going to be a showing in Columbia um, on the 8th, I think in maybe Jesse Hall. Um, so a big showing. Uh, so, you know, it affects the whole state and it affects everybody. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. And so Netflix is good to work with and they really have do been doing the PR machine. So mm -hmm. hopefully you'll get some good press out of this, too. Yeah, they're great partners. They're going to bring, even after all the work we did, and they know it, they're going to send somebody back from the same company to look over yeah. it one more time Good. Um, We at their expense. So, you know, I don't mind my $15 a month or whatever I'm paying if they're going to come here and spend all that money making Ooh. my job look as good as possible. You can um, watch on two devices. Uh, well, th there's uh, two other documentaries I'd like to point out. One is called Flea, and this is very unusual. It is a documentary, Spell but it, it's Lynn. animated. Spell it. It's F-L-E-E. -E, it, it's, it's not about the Red a, Hot Chili Peppers bassist. This yeah, is it's not about the bug. It's about... 
it's about fleeing a country because of bad things. And it is a young boy's tale fleeing Afghanistan and his journey. And it's an interesting journey and it's animated and animated. foreign. Mm -hmm. And the English voices are Riz Ahmed and the name of the other guy just escaped me, but he's an A-lister too. And it's uh, the Denmark country, the country of Denmark's uh, uh, Oscar uh, hopeful. And it's very good and it's going to get a lot of buzz. And mm -hmm. I suggest you go on Saturday, November 14th to see Flea. And then there's one on a COVID. It's called The First Wave. And it's Matthew Heineman, who's I think going to be at the fest. Is he going to be there or is he going to be available? Maybe he's available for interviews. He did the great documentary mm -hmm. Cartel Land. And he was at a Queens hospital during the first wave of COVID. And so it's from March to June and it's cinema verite to use my film school language. And it's shooting the healthcare workers. Oh, it's reality television. Yeah. So even though we're a year past that and it's not quite as bad in some places, it's just as bad or worse in others. So those same people are just as tired or worse or quit. Um, the, right. the, the, the fallout rate, <clears throat> and I don't blame any of them for what people have gone through in the healthcare sector is just un, unworldly and inhuman. And yeah, that's it's a whole very other conversation. There's, there's, there's one doctor in particular <clears throat> that will just really, you will really in, uh, bond with this woman. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. One thing, one thing after we were done, well, we have, we used to shove it in stuff all the time. And we did until recently. And then we finally stopped. But when I pulled, pulled back, I realized in the narrative section, at least there's two things, sort of comedies and the rest are not. Um, and I don't know if that's reflective of the world in Might general, be. or that's just, you know, some of these films have kind of been on the shelf for a little bit, but you know, everything has a more somber, serious tone. You know, I always look for comedies. People like comedies. Um, they're just, the best films. And we didn't realize that until much later, you know, we look very fine, provocative films with people with serious, you know, human issues, you know, from end to end. Um, so not a lot tickets. of, yes, not a lot of that kind of light and hopefulness, but, you know, important messages. Uh, it's not that there's not hope in some of the more serious films, but, you know, you have to scrape away. You can't just sit there and, well, you can't shovel down popcorn anyway, but you can't just sit there. It's not, there's no popcorn movies. Um, if you can use that adjective. Lynn, the other person that's in Flea is uh, Nicolaj Castro-Waldo from Game of oh, Thrones. That's right. I knew was that, and they do the uh, the uh, so I guess read the subtitles. Yeah, well, and they're also executive producers on the film. So yeah, <clears throat> interesting factoid. So yeah. you can go to so cinemastlouis.org and all the information, all the films are on there, and you can buy tickets or you can buy. A season pass. How do, what do you, was it called? A membership? What, how, how would you call it, Chris? Um, you do not have to be a member. Pass. You don't have to be anyone other than a lover of cinema or, and film or movies or whatever you call them. All you do is like movies and that's all you need to do to be eligible. Members get price breaks on individual tickets and passes, but there are multi-pack passes like there would be for anything like that. <clears throat> I believe in denominations of 6, 12, and 20 if I'm remembering close enough or six, 10 and 20 that, but you can spend, you get a, to buy a six pass. It would be less than buying six tickets. If you bought them individually, 20 pass is a, you know, different kind of break. So if you know, you're going to see a bunch um, of our own single ticketing system this year as different than the past where Tivoli would have their own Frontenac would have their own. They're all be unique. We're going through the eventive platform which is our virtual screening platform but all the ticketing goes through there too i know think lynn i've seen your name pop up a few times you've snapped up a few that tickets might, with your various that probably made your lives too. a lot easier this year <clears throat> getting to day one and getting ticket print and everything not completely there yet and <clears throat> uh uh, uh ethernet in the in the box office so we're, we're working out but yes it's going to centralize everything we can you know look up somebody's name and and switch things around and if, you know if you bought carl if you bought six tickets for a film online you can designate 
them one by one and email them to and give them tickets instead of a physical thing. Whoa. You could take <clears throat> your, your six tickets to Memoria, three to Lynn or three to, you know, Jim Bats, or, you know, you can email them and give them tickets. Then they'll have their own thing with a bar, with a QR code. You'll get whisk the theater. Yes. It's like a concert tech, or man. a sporting event. Yeah. <clears throat> Oh, yes. That inventive is easy, I think, to navigate. And I used it last year. <laughs> not to everyone. Them. We get we get questions and <laughs> phone calls and that just make us do I have wince. to have a phone? Yeah. Well, once you get the hang of it, let's put it like that. Because we had some people when we had a film in, but I'm a member of Cinema St. Louis, yeah. and I think everybody who loves the art should support it. And also the last weekend, you're going to have this tribute to Mary Strauss, who has been a friend to the arts and was responsible for renovating the Fox Theater. She and her husband, Leon, back in uh 1982 reopened the fox and then she has been one of the stalwart art supporters of st louis and there's an award named after her husband yes uh, the documentary award is leon after leon strauss um mary was not one of the original people that put the festival together in the first place you know in the dawn of time Mm -hmm. in the early 90s but in year two or three or something came on and then with her clout and energy and magnificent power um pushed it forward and you know i would not be sitting here today i don't think without mary's efforts getting it from a small group of ladies who lunch around fancy table to getting to pay someone then paying two people. And then <clears throat> the only thing they did was the St. Louis film festival once upon a time. And that was the name of the organization. And then over time with Cliff and myself and the rest of our staff, we built it into this multi-event monster that we have today <laughs> called cinema St. Louis. And we're working on more than one event at all times. Um, you know, things kind of cross over a little bit as leading up to, and I love it that we're at the end of the year for this event. So <clears throat> I do very little work and a lot of sleep and eating in the month of December. Well, um, have you, since you've been working on this so long, have you seen any of the films that we're going to talk about? Have you seen the new Wes Anderson film perchance? No, I have not. So have you only been watching the films that are coming or have you got to watch anything for fun? Not much for fun, but um, in my house, we are fans of lots of television shows. Mm-hmm. So I watched Doom Patrol yesterday. Um, I didn't have time today to watch Ghosts uh, on CBS, which is a delight. Now, have you, did you watch the original British? Absolutely. One? We watched it end to end and <clears throat> we were leery of the CBS version before so watching wholesome. the first. And it's it's fun. Uh, what we do in the shadows is a great mm-hmm. favorite around here. Lots of shows like that. Uh, American horror stories. We're kind of putting ourselves through the paces, not really enjoying it all that much, but seeing uh, a few episodes ago, <coughs> uh, Sarah Paulson as an out of control, maybe Eisenhower uh, was funny. Okay. That has um, but no, I haven't seen too much. Uh, I did watch Dune. Um, <laughs> On HBO and, Max. Um, I know I want to go to the theater and I, I did enjoy it, but I was emailing and do, doing festival works. I didn't truly get it all. And I'll well, do you it need again. It with the captions on, probably. Yeah. And it, well, I need to go see it. I want to go see it in the theater, but I was glad to have that Definitely. opportunity to see it. So that's that's the only thing I've seen is Dune. Well, in two <clears> years, you can watch both parts at once. I know. Um, and I do want to see French Dispatch uh, quite a bit. I do too, but I did. I had the hockey every other day this week, so I didn't yeah. get to go to either screening. Yeah. But coming up, since we have our fingers well deeply into the American pie of upcoming press screenings, you take from that pun whatever you will. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to be there all the time anyway, so I'm going to get to see a lot, Good. Uh, whether I like it or not. <laughs> and I will. Well, and I will like it, well, that's, but that's, yeah. ex- but I think that's, uh, that's the fun, the fun thing about this time of year was it is all, all these uh, wonderful, important films and mm-hmm. it starts everybody talking and it makes the dreary days of late fall and winter go by, I think. Yes, indeed. And it's enjoying, well, I'm, uh, a huge fan of Wes Anderson and Edgar Wright. 
and uh, I am a little disappointed, uh, I guess, because I had such high expectations. But I will say there's there's many little delights in the French Dispatch. I think it's too much. And I uh, pains me to say that it's just overwhelming because we have we have the beginning and the end with Bill Murray who is an editor at the Liberty Evening Sun's outpost in France uh, called the French Dispatch. It's a Sunday magazine. It's it's a Wes Anderson's love letter to journalists, mm -hmm. and it's based on his youthful readings of The New Yorker. And I say it's like The New Yorker meets highlights for children <laughs> because we all know his his style. Yeah, That's I'm sure it'll be it'll be refreshing and fun enough from all the stress and misery in film that I'm surrounded with um, right now. It'll just be a bit of lightness and in air and fun and right. I, look forward I, to I it. compared it to hanging out with a bunch of English lit majors and uh, some are raconteurs and some are iconoclasts. But when you have a discussion with them, you want to read more and you want to go on more adventures. And, I, you know, I work for a highly opinionated former journalist. So I know that. Mr. Fralick. Yes. Yeah. Well, yes. I, I I just love the editorial stuff. I would have been happy if the whole movie was set in the editorial office because you have these quirky characters. Uh, Fran, uh, Francis McDormand is one of the writers. Tilda Swinton's one of the writers. Owen Wilson, Elizabeth Moss. There's uh, I practically wept because there was a copy editor and a proofreader and a layout person because that's old school. And when Bill Murray is taking pen to Jeffrey Wright's paper editing it i was just in seventh heaven because old school editors there's nothing like them ripping apart your paragraph and telling and handing it back to you uh giving you gruff remarks and their expectations of what they want and we don't have that anymore and so we and so it just it was just such so nostalgic but the thing with Wes Anderson is it feels nostalgic but it also feels new at the same time mm -hmm. and then his production design costume design music everything just is so unique and wonderful that it's great it's just this cast is we have the A-list cast and it's they do three short stories, the vignettes, and it's just coming at you so fast. So it's mm -hmm. a wild process. But I, I suspect over time, as we absorb everything, it's going to be um, looked at, you know, uh, more favorable than it is now, because a lot so of people you, are just saying it's too much. You liked the setup better than the three stories. Yes. But did you do you have a favorite story? Um, they all could have been edited. <laughs> well, the movie's less than two hours, so it's I, mean, I know all but... about a half hour, less than a half hour. They're like TV shows. Yeah, well, the first one is is rather a hoot, I think, because it's Benicio del Toro as a psychopathic artist. And he is is uh, doing paintings of the prison guard who's played by Leah Sidhu, and she's full frontal nudity. <laughs> and so that's where we get the we get the R because he's painting her, but it's unusual. And then Adrian Brody plays this art dealer who's in for tax evasion, and he sees the art. And so he tells his uncles, Bob Balaban and Henry Winkler, that they have to get this guy's paintings they have to commission him but he paints on the concrete walls instead ah. and uh it's this whole bit but it goes on for a long time Is and then to do better than she was in bond well it's just a different part because she just plays this prison guard who's this guy's muse and Le so Leah Sadu will be in festival film France by French director Bruno Dumont Oh, 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 well, this we is, you know, you know, quirky. They're all quirky. It's, you and, know, and so that, Francis, France is a journalism related film. Also, she is a TV news anchor who has a moral crisis. Um, so you should 
sniff that one out, Lynn. I think. You oh, might I like should. That. I'm, I'll write that down. I'll put yeah. that down. And then uh, Jeffrey Wright's one is hilarious because it starts off as a talk show. He's being interviewed by Liam Shriver and he's the it's uh, mm. Jeffrey Wright's the food writer. And he uh, recounts this story of a chef and a police captain and chicanery. You know how Wes Anderson likes those capers? Yes. Mm -hmm. He loves crime capers. And so that's that one. But it really goes on. And then the one with Tim Timothy Chalamet as the student revolutionary. It's pretty funny, except it could have been cut in half. <laughs> well, it, this this movie sounds like, you know, in a, in a Wes Anderson film, he does all these little asides. It seems now this time he made the sides into feature length stories. Right. And this black and white, the cinematography is wonderful. It's black and white. The detail, uh, Owen Wilson takes us on a tour of the town. And his, his name is Herb Sant Sazerac. And the town's name is Ennui sur Blase. <laughs> so translated means boredom on apathy. <laughs> I saw a photo of young Mr. Chalamet. Um, who must be having a great time this year in a, I think it was a Parisian subway with posters, you know, on the wall, uh, of him. one was, one, no, one was Dune and one was French dispatch. And he's kind of standing there going, you know, he seems like a happy go lucky kind of hey, fun me. guy, but you know, just he, he's in picture. He's photographed from morning till night every day, especially this year with Dune and French dispatch coming at the same time and being in all the big festivals. Um, I hope he's having fun. It seems like it. Well, French Dispatch has been sitting for a while. In yes. fact, so so much so that they're kind of dovetailing off of Dune a little bit. And why not? Go well, and back to theaters and Anderson's already got another film in the can. They yeah. I think they just yeah. finished it. Astro yep. Boy. They were waiting a little bit to until so they could, you know, open more widely. Oh, I guess. Asteroid so. Asteroid City is the name of the movie that he's going to release as soon as he wants to. <laughs> What well, a nice problem was, to have. Yeah. Yeah. This was supposed to come out uh, last October. It did premiere at Cannes and got a nine minute standing ovation. That that happens all the time. Even even the horrible movies get standing ovations. You either but, get walked out or you get a standing ovation at Cannes, and both are a tribute. Yeah, now, if they just if they just sit there and do nothing, then it's a disaster. Yes. <laughs> Oh, well, Carl and I saw last night in Soho, and I have to preface this with it starts in present day, which Carl. Now, hold under. on a second. Now, hold on a minute. You don't know when it starts when you're watching no. the movie. You shouldn't have told people that, because when I saw the movie for the first five minutes, I didn't know if it was a period piece or if it was out of time. And you gave away something that I actually found amazing. I for for the first two thirds of this movie, it was my favorite movie of the year. And then the third act happened. I know. I'm okay. Well, I'm, I'm not as uh, uh, appalled at the third act as you and Kent and Alex are. But I will say it does get a little wonky. But Edgar Wright is so innovative and such a, a creative mind that the cinematography, the editing, the Costumes. music. Oh, the costumes. It's just beautiful. The girl that's the lead, Thomason McKenzie, and she's such a fine actress. She plays Ellie, who is in a country town, but she loves, she has great affinity for the 60s. And she's a fashion designer. She makes her own clothes and she's just enamored with the 60s. And her mother died and her mother was, uh, that was her era. Uh, and so she has all these LPs and uh, all these uh, little vintage things. Mm -hmm. And so she goes to the big city of London. Her grandmother is played by Rita Tushingham, who was one of the British young stars in the mid 60s. Diana Rigg, it's her last film. It's Terrence dedicated. Stamp the first the first thing you see is for Diana, which is very sweet. Right. And then at the end, they say for Margaret Nolan, too. And she's the barmaid and she was a Bond girl in Goldfinger. Mm -hmm. And she passed away as well. Yeah. So so I think that's really neat that he has these 60s uh, actresses and actors that are in the film. But we the reason we have such a 60s vibe is 
Ellie has a sixth sense. She sees visions of her dead mother and that seems to be okay. It's not disruptive, but she goes to school in London and she is roommates with a mean girl and she decides to take a flat, a room in another building that's owned by Diana Rigg. And it's a very um, retro and she has a dream where she is in the body of an aspiring singer named Sandy, who is played by the statuesque and mesmerizing Anya Taylor Joy. And she looks like Brigitte Bardot, like Julie Christie of that era. She's got she doesn't even look like she's a real person. She's the epitome of a 60s beauty. Yeah, she's just gorgeous. And the fashion and the hair and the music. And it just is that era. Now, 1966, obviously, Edgar Wright wasn't alive then, but his parents were. And he said his childhood was that music because uh, that's the music his parents listened to. And so it's like a 60s time machine because in her dreams, she goes back to Soho in 1966 and the neighborhood is different. And she's immersed in this nightclub and she's observing but seeing this girl and then the dream turns into a nightmare because it takes a very sinister turn and matt smith the former doctor who plays the which is great because doctor who premieres this weekend oh it all ties in uh matt smith plays her manager slash um boyfriend slash pimp i don't know it's it's a whole mess yeah it takes a very ugly turn and then she can't get out of her dream and it it just but it's helping her design pretty clothes which is which is great because the third act is a problem because if they would have just shot it so it was a little more ambiguous, but they make he he made choices that made you think it's not a it's not a twist at the end. It's it's an absolute lie because he filmed it one way and then you find out it's it's actually a different way. If it would have been more ambiguous, I this would have been my favorite movie of the year. And I I am very high on the first two thirds of this movie. I, I really enjoyed it. Gorgeous. The first it's, what first he did with perfect. It. Oh, with the swirling camera and then using downtown because I was an impressionable preteen in 1966 and uh, Petula Clark's downtown, which is what mm-hmm. Anya Taylor-Joy sings for her nightclub audition. That was everything that us uh, American teenagers aspired to the mod swinging London, the swinging 60s. We all were buying yardly makeup and and dressing and Twiggy was a big deal on the magazine covers and so that song all about the bright lights going to the city that's what you just thought of and so for him his his cuts his deep cuts of the music the soundtrack is fabulous it starts out with the peter and gordon song a world without love which paul mccartney and john lennon wrote and so it's just a wonderful collection the soundtrack but the thing about the third act is it's very stabby it's rushed And then characters that you sympathize with turn and you're like, what, what? And then that ending is very ambiguous. And so it is a, it's a muddled mess, the third act, but I could see where he was going. I I don't know. I understood what he was doing. I just think a little change here and there would have have been a fantastic near perfect film. And those two girls are mesmerizing, Thomason and Anya Taylor-Joy. Anya they, Taylor-Joy, we first learned about her in The Witch playing a character named Thomason. Ooh. Interesting. Interesting. So, yeah, I was, uh, you know, I went into it thinking a couple people that I know didn't like it. And then I was not as hard on it as others because I just loved being immersed in that world and And, so it's you know the music is great because a lot of they are original versions of songs that we know that you know it's the original version of always something there to remind me and the original version 
of got my mind set on you and weird things like the who doing doing heat wave it's i really enjoyed the music choices in this it's very it's very of a time right and a couple burt Bacharach songs and so that's fun too yeah it's real trippy it's real it's really trippy so i say give it a chance and make up your own mind and we'll see now i did not see antlers because i had to work but uh, uh and i had a that, hockey game that is uh come well you had to work too yeah. and so that is scott cooper's latest i hear it's very gory but it's very creepy and I did not see my Hero Academia World Heroes Mission because my I daughter, did. you did see it? My daughter's yeah. not at that point in the book series yet that we could go see it. Well, I was hoping she would uh, give me insight because I figured she knew this series because I was totally clueless. It was enjoyable, but I don't have the backstory on any of these people. I know a little. I've seen some of those. Um, well, she has, she has too, but she likes to stay with the anime as far as she's read in the book series and this is farther ahead and so she doesn't want to ruin her experience of reading which well, I, I, thought they were, I thought they were fun teenagers i enjoyed it yep. you know it's a whole and, doomsday plot yeah and reading is fundamental as we know so good for her good for her it i mean no, it's not going anywhere so she'll be able to see it exactly it reminded me of a next generation Johnny Quest. <laughs> really? Well, it, now, did you watch it dubbed or did you watch it with subtitles? I watched it dubbed. Oh, uh, see, my daughter would not go for that. She she wants the original. She she wants the original. She can read and she wants to hear them how they were original. Aha. Uh -huh. So well, much so that we've watched several things twice. Once dubbed because some of the american voice casts on these things are fantastic and like grade a superstars but she so we watched them twice once in dubbed and but we first have to watch it with subtitles well i usually do watch subtitles but i was like you know i'm gonna do something different and i thought of i thought of maggie and the dub you know so i thought well let me see if this works and i really i think i enjoyed it more because it was in uh english speaking mm -hmm. so i i think i i really uh, uh you know to me even uh, they were um i don't know it just spoke to me uh well, i think better well let's say, chris you see a lot of foreign films do you prefer yeah. subtitles or dubs i do not like dubs because sometimes it depends on the language and the the people who are speaking it but sometimes like especially with uh skin Norwegian, their mouths just go in different directions and that can be more <laughs> pronounced with different languages. Um, like I watched Ragnarok, um, mm -hmm. a Norwegian. Not the Thor team, movie. Team, no, 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 not the Thor movie. Um, it's a Norwegian series about a, a, a set of high school students who represent uh, two uh, brothers um, who, you know, the teenage, very craggy faced American actor He's an American actor they found, but also has Norwegian uh, descent and influently spoke Norwegian, so you know, worked his way into it. But the dub version just sounds they they it was one of the Netflix shows that so they filmed it both ways, mm. um, and it just it just doesn't work um, as well. Like if you're it can watching, be very distracting. Well, yeah. and they, and we've learned and some people that Net, Netflix also does two different versions: one for uh, closed captioning and one for just watching a foreign film. So you have to make sure that you're getting the right both subs or dubs. Yeah. So I strongly prefer uh, reading subtitles because, you know, it. You hear the further from, of yeah, the natural hear the language. proper inflections and yes. And, you know, I guess they're having to recreate on some level, some of the sound effects. So it's not the same movie. In, in many cases, they do it cheaply. They just kind of redo the sound entirely. Mm -hmm. And it's not the same. It's not the same at all. Well, yeah. And, and, some the line readings are sometimes different, like uh, like uh, Michael Keaton. We were watching a Studio Ghibli movie, and we watched it twice. And the first time, I mean, it, Michael Keaton was the lead role, and but there were different. You pick up little things when you're watching both versions because one way is some things don't translate to an American audience, and if you read it and you go, oh, that's what he meant, and then when they because they'll change things because. Americans are dumb. 
Yes. Well, moving on to uh, what some people call the boob tube, but I enjoy television very much. And I am so I am in seventh heaven on Sunday nights now because two of my favorite shows on HBO are back. And that is the double feature of Succession and Curb Your Enthusiasm. Succession is the best written drama on television and Curb Your Enthusiasm is the funniest uh, comedy series of all time as far as i'm concerned although i do love ted lasso and i encourage everybody to watch that and you have you have insecure's final season in between those two right and so it's just wonderful but i do want to mention a shout out john ham will reprise his character from last year's curb this year he'll be on and then uh david rashi who grew up in millstadt illinois and is a graduate of belleville west and is best known for playing the TV uh, spoof character Sledgehammer. Yes. Uh, he is in succession as the financial guy, Carl, that Brian Cox settled. I loved Sledgehammer. I thought that, sh- but then again, I was really young and I probably didn't understand most of the satire, but I thought it was really well cred, well, well done. He's made a late in career uh, change to supporting characters. He plays a lot of dads, but he plays a lot of evil people, too. Good looking, good looking man. He's got a very distinctive face. Yeah, his dad supposedly was a pastor. I don't know the whole thing, but yeah, he's he uh, claims Belleville as his home. And John Hamm is a proud St. Louisan, as you all know. He varies much so. Yeah. Yeah. And so he is going to be the star of a new animated comedy on Fox. They consider it next generation am, um, animation and it's called Grimsburg. And he's going to play this detective. Yes. I saw a description of it, and I think it will fit well on a Fox Sunday or Monday night. Right. And he's so good at comedy. He's he's amazing. He really is. John Ham. Really John Ham. Yeah. Yeah. He is like when he was on uh, when he was on 30 Rock as I think he was Dr. Drew. And he the bubble. In- he loved in the bubble. <laughs> yeah. I, I love in a bubble. I understand that. But he was he was just the doe eyed idiot and just having a great time. Doing it, he was fun and Kimmy Schmidt. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh yeah, um, as the Reverend. What was it, Gary Wayne? Yeah. What was Gary Wayne? Gary, name? Gary Wayne, Gary, or something like yeah, something he was, that. Yeah, he was. He was the evil guy that yeah. kept all the girls captive, and he was really slick. And uh, it was yeah, he has a ball with comedy, mm-hmm. and you can tell just when he was on SNL or when he'll occasionally yep. just show up and uh do things so i'm i'm really looking forward yeah. grimsburg's not gonna premiere till 2023 but they announced no. it well speaking and- of belleville they're having skyview's having their annual slasher fest this weekend they're they of course have two screens one is for families and the other one is you know slasher movies right they're gonna have pumpkin head and they're gonna have the new nightmare and but the, for the kids they're gonna have monster house and labyrinth with Dune's own, no, wait, no, sorry, that was David Bowie, <laughs> not Sting. Yeah, right. Uh, and, and they're doing Rocky Horror at midnight. Right, that's an annual tradition, and that'll be on the big screen because most of the families leave by then. So the no, the screen one is four hundred people, and screen two, where they usually put the family fair, is one hundred eighty. But most of all the seats that are reserved, you know how they do those res- uh, reserve slots? Yes. Those are all. but they say they said we'll have plenty of spots the box office opens at six because they're going to have music and they're going to have a comic book guy and it's going to be a whole event and they're looking forward to having a cleared weather yeah sounds fun so lynn on this this weekend in 1986 you have an anniversary and i have an anniversary 12 years ago uh jc corcoran our friends he uh, put on his Facebook page this week that the 12 years ago that the showgram ended, I had actually had that in my phone and we talked and we reminisced to each other, but something happened to you in 1986. Right. Well, I just want to preface seeing you, Carl. I didn't know you then, 
till I didn't meet you till 2008 when we were both uh, vetted for the St. Louis film critics at the same time. JC got me in first meeting. Right, JC got me in and I loved the showgram and JC put it on his Facebook page. And I meant to send you that because I know you're not on Facebook. I meant I'm to not. send you because it still to me was the best morning show. And I loved listening to it. And he has a podcast where he put some of the best segments that you all did. So if you were a fan of the showgram with Carl, John Hewlett, Lori Mack, and JC, he's and got Sparks. it on the line. And JCOnTheLine.com. Yes. If you want to hear those shows again. And I was at the St. Louis Globe Democrat the day it folded, which was October 29th, 1986. And we had heard a rumor that we didn't get this one thing with the legislator that we were hoping for. And uh, so people were working on the next day because we were a morning paper. People were working on the paper and uh, the managing editor, William Fustel, which was just straight out of a movie kind of managing editor. And he gathered everybody in the newsroom and said, that was it. Uh, we are not publishing tomorrow. We've done our last paper. We were all devastated and we packed up our boxes and then we headed to the Missouri bar and grill Right across which, the street, right across the street, which was our hangout. And we were all crying in our beer, so to speak. And uh, Bill McClellan from the Post Dispatch, our evil enemy, uh, he came over and told us how sorry he was. But he was the only Post person to come in to our little enclave and and express his sympathy to us and we had held hope that maybe somebody would buy it maybe we would get out of this we would go back but i still remember that elevator because i was there when bob burns and all the cigar smokers were there and mm -hmm. the elevator reeked of cigars and you would go to the fifth floor and you would open it and it would be the teeming newsroom and i i would still want to go up there and of course it's not there anymore but just go up in that elevator to the fifth floor and open that newsroom because those people i worked with were i mean i have had wonderful experiences in a 40 some year career and i've been writing for publications for 50 years and i will say that i miss that every day because those people had such great character and i learned so much but I've had many a great colleague in my life, but those people on a whole, on a collective, just, and I think St. Louis is the poorer for it. And here we are 35 years later. Yes. Well, on a positive note, next week, Cinema St. Louis starts their 30th anniversary of Sliff. So go to cinemastlouis.org. Chris Clark, thank you for being on with us today. Thank you for having me. This is the first time I've sat down for an hour. Well, you saw me check my phone a little bit here and there. Sorry. Yeah. But, no, but I haven't. This is the first time all day I've sat here without being filled with like, ah! <laughs> um, breathe, just breathe. And we are very fortunate because the St. Louis Film Critics, you allow us to give out the Joe Williams Documentary yes. Award and the Joe Pollock a narrative award every year we, we used to call them under the radar mm -hmm. and then now we named them for our esteemed fallen comrades and we enjoy that so much and i know it means so much to joe williams's family because marie williams his mom will contact me every year and say what 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 won the joe award huh. that's good and you can find yeah. all of that stuff out at cinemastlouis.org lynn where can we find you online oh Oh, well, we can find me at uh, KTRS Radio. I'm on Thursday nights, 10 p.m., right after the news with Ray Hartman. And then I'm in the Webster Kirkwood Times. And then our my website is poplifestl.com. And then our podcast, poplifestl.com presents, is on the website, but also on on stl.com thanks to ron stevens and then we have our facebook page that has the posting too and before i forget carl that you, where you are we have to say that the muni is going to announce it's 104th season on thursday virtually a virtual event on their and youtube this, page 
This is to go along with Mary Poppins and Sweeney Todd already announced. Yes, they're only they are only announcing five shows at the Muni this year. You can find me at underscore Carl the Intern on Twitter and Instagram. I have separate posts now for my horn test at the hockey games. You can also hear me Monday through Friday on the Mark Cox Morning Show and on weekends on KMOX, the great outdoor show. If you listen to that this weekend on the Odyssey app, you will hear us talk to John Schneider, Bo Duke, about his experiences with weapons on set. Ooh, so that's because a, that's a topic. Says, well, he says you don't have to do it anymore. And it's he says it's not as expensive as people are saying. In fact, he made a video of him holding his finger as a weapon. And for the software he got was $28, made it look like it was a real weapon. So if you want it to look good, it's going to cost thousands of dollars. But it doesn't have to, the way you shoot it, he says, that's what he says. First of all, you should always have gun safety. Treat every weapon as it's loaded. And second of all, you you can shoot around it so it doesn't look like it's not real. And people know better now. Maybe we don't need guns at all. Hey, <laughs> technology. That's technology. not what yes. John Schneider said. So yeah. Well, we're going to have some more discussions on this next week. Our guest is going to be John O'Brien from Fox Associates, and he's going to preview the Fox U.S. Broadway series and uh, U.S. Bank Broadway series. And that's going to be fun, Carl, because you and I go to it. I go as often as I can unless there is a hockey game. So that that is that is the curse and the pleasure. Yes. Well, thank you, Carl Middleman. And thank you, Chris Clark. At Chris Clark STL. And uh, everybody stay safe, get vaxxed, and enjoy all the arts that St. Louis uh, presents. And go buy a ticket to Cinema St. Louis. And go enjoy just St. Louis. It's a nice fall. Okay. Thanks. Bye, guys. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.